We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at BlueWire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, welcome in everyone to another Buzz Beat. This episode is brought to you by our partners, Bet Online. Visit betonline.ag and enter the code BLUEWIRE to receive your 100% off welcome bonus. By supporting them, you are supporting this podcast. BG, uh, it's going to be me and you again this week. Another episode. Another week of no basketball and another week of talking about draft prospects, uh, not knowing when this draft is going to be. So uh, get me excited about this one, BG. Uh, well, we're going international. We're going to study abroad on, on this week's episode. So that's uh, that's kind of cool, right? That's a little it's a little exciting, I feel like. Um, yeah, it's a bummer not to have live basketball. It's crazy to think we'd have, what, a season left? Like, the NBA, or we'd have like a week left. Like the NCAA championship game would have been this week, this Monday, and um, that being the rearview mirror, and we would have you know a week or so left in the NBA regular season and playoff games around the corner. And um, I mean, there were set to be some really <laughs> enticing first round matchups this year, uh, both out west and in the east. And um, yeah, to not have that is uh, is a pretty considerable bummer. But uh, I'm safe, um, healthy, and uh, you guys appear the same, which is uh, good to see. Yeah, it's it's both depressing uh, and fascinating to kind of look back on what we should have had uh, this month and and haven't had, and kind of imagine how life has continued without it. And this this is also Masters Week, uh, yeah. which is always a big week yeah. for me. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's crazy stuff, but. We have found a way to continue forward with the content, and as Brian said, we're going to discuss some uh, some international prospects today. R.J. Hampton, Lamelo Ball, and, and Killian Hayes, and this will be fun too because these are all guys that uh, will 
functionally, I think, play the same position uh, in the next on the next level. So it would be fun to kind of compare and contrast. So BG, let's start with Hampton, RJ Hampton. He's 19 years old. This is one of the players that I don't know if he'd committed to play somewhere. BG, you might know that, but he decided I'm not going to college. I'm going um, I'm going overseas to New Zealand to be to be specific to play a year of uh, a professional before the NBA draft. Did he commit anywhere, BG? I want to say he committed to Kansas or Memphis, but okay, then not, not no, he did not. No, he did not. He did not. He ended up not committing. I I remember that. I, I followed his recruitment a little bit just because Duke was for part of it in the running, um, and then when Trey Jones decided to come back, that uh, was around the same time when when Hampton was sort of weighing other decisions for him. Got it. Got it. So I, I did a few Sundays ago, kind of dug in on Hampton and did a little mini, um, a little mini film dive, if you will, on Twitter. I mean, this is a guy who I, I can't imagine there's a better, more explosive slasher. I mean, he's an incredible athlete. You watch him in transition and even in the half court, you know, when he gets ahead of steam and there's, I'm not comparing him to Russell Westbrook, but there's just like shades of this explosive guard um, that is hell-bent on getting to the rim kind of style that reminds you of a guy like Westbrook. So I think there's a lot of upside here. I, mm-hmm. I think my quick takeaway with Hampton is, wow, really high ceiling because of how explosive of an athlete he is at 6'5", but at the same time, uh, his feel for the game, how he gets his teammates involved, you know, really not sure what position he's going to play. I, I think if he can play point guard on the next level and be a, a dominant uh, on-the-ball guard, he's got a chance, but it also makes the floor pretty low for him uh, yeah. just because not a great shooter, don't quite know what position he plays yet, and really, really depends on his athleticism for a lot of what he does on the court, BG. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a combo guard, right? And it feels like at this point, it's, it's just easier to see Hampton more as like a second side, a secondary uh, pick and roll creator, or second side attack uh, weapon. I mean, his passing's gotten better, and he does on occasion – have some just really nice kick-out passes to the opposite opposite wing, opposite corner off of a, a live dribble. But he's not like Ball and Hayes in terms of you know spread the court out, you know run him, give him a ball screen. And um, even though at their at their very young age, those those guys can perhaps go go and get you a shot. Hampton, it doesn't feel like that quite yet. He is obviously a, a ridiculous athlete. I think in transition, you see it most frequently on both ends, uh, the chase down blocks, uh, the, the, the little like touch passes he gets when he's sort of taken off as a receiver down the court, he's able to track it back to a trailing teammate. He's an interesting player of these guys. You know, he sort of seems like he's the one most likely to be in the Hornets range. So, um, you know, our, our ears and eyes should be up for him as a potential prospect um, and a guy that, you know, could you see him fitting next to Devontae Graham going forward? I think he has it in him, in his like his outermost limit, to be a guy that could be a point of attack defender. But right now, like it's just not there for for a couple of different reasons. Um, not always in a stance, caught upright a lot. I don't think his instincts uh, as team defender nor as a one on one defender are great uh, at this point. I just not sure how versatile he is either, despite as far as like a switch defender, uh, despite the crazy athleticism that he has, 
and the shooting numbers below 30% on threes this year, but shot a decent number from the free throw line, you know, relatively small sample. Um, but overall, not a great shooter, 47%, at least at this point, 47% effective shooting this year uh, for Hampton playing for the uh, the Breakers down in New Zealand. Yeah, I, I, the one thing he has that these other two prospects we're going to talk about don't is just his ability to go by his defender rather consistently regularly and so that you know his his lack of playmaking out of the pick and roll uh or you know bending a defense and making the the pinpoint pass to the opposite corner consistently maybe like these other guys can do just manipulate defenses his ability to go by as a defender if he can be under control doing that he's got a chance to wreak havoc on defenses in the nba one day but you know you brought up a good point about his defense i think that I think that you watch him and you think you watch him move uh, and you think, okay, that there's an elite defender in here somewhere, wing defender. Um, but his frame at 180 is at least what he's listed at. And he looks thin on film too. It's six, five. He's got a really, really slight frame right now. So the only thing that he is giving you, if he's locked in, he can be a great defender. The only thing he's giving you is kind of a recovery at the rim, weak side defense coming and sliding over to, uh, to get into the air where he is at his using his strengths best and blocking shots. But, but yeah, I, I just, I don't have like a, just a great feel for either side of the court uh, for RJ Hampton, you know, just yet on what he can become. So I think that, you know, his athleticism is probably gets him into the lottery. Uh, I don't think he could really get out of that out of past pick 14, if you will. But, I just I don't know I don't know where he fits on the Hornets roster, especially currently with Rozier in there too. At least for two more seasons, um, I think he could be potentially a good fit next to next to Devontae Graham. But I don't know if Hampton's the kind of guy, you know, that fits on this roster is currently constructed. Yeah, I think again, best case scenario for him, he is a guy that could function in a in a, in a pick and roll offense, right? Maybe not as the day one guy, but if. If Devante's there again, this we're speaking just in a vacuum with Charlotte, um, then maybe that's that's less of an issue. Uh, he is really quick, like you said, and that's you know for right now that's going to be his sort of like defining characteristic as a, as a prospect is that he's just fast, he has speed. But something else that I would say too is with these guys that drive. If you're thinking of Hampton as like a, a a speed driver to the hoop, a guy that could attack a closeout or whatever, assuming he could it could be forced, um, he's you know he's really dominant with his right hand, right? And, and this is probably something that we'll talk about with Killian Hayes, but with his left hand, um, I don't I worry about right now the lack of uh, skill and uh, with the left hand and the over reliance on the right hand as well too. Uh, as far as how he works as like a change of direction player and a guy that can go get his own his own shot yeah and and to that point too you know he's very right hand dominant he is very focused on getting to the rim he doesn't get to the free throw for a slasher for a guy that attacks the the rim a lot he doesn't get to the free throw throw line at a very high rate which is another concern you know the, the one thing too going back to the defensive side that that, that worries me at 6'5", 180. He looks like a two-position defender at, at most right now. I think these other two players we're going to talk about could, could guard three positions, which if you take a micro, you know, if, if you look at that microscopically, you know, with DG and Terry Rozier, where, where I think Ball 
and probably Killian Hayes could play on the floor with those two just in this small example where I think R.J. Hampton could not. And that, I think eventually when you start comparing him to these other guards in the draft is going to drive his value down. Yeah. Um, but that remains to be seen. Anything else on Hampton, BG? Just a couple other couple other quick numbers we can re- reel off real quickly. You know, he's nineteen. He turned nineteen in February, so still, you know, still pretty young. Not he is the, of these three guys of of Ball and and, and Hayes and Hampton. He's the the oldest by a, a, a couple of months actually. But a few of his numbers from this season playing for uh, for the Breakers down in New Zealand, uh, seventeen games. 51% true shooting, 47% effective shooting, 18% assist rate, uh, close to 3% steal rate, 22% uh, usage. So there you go. You can sort of see that the steal, steal rate number is, that's nice. Um, and the assist number, you know, again, he's not, he's not the, at this point, sort of even, uh, Hayes in Germany and Ball also in, in Australia, they were you know, sort of the, the chief operating guards for their roster. And I think you, those numbers are reflected in their, their usage and uh, in their assist rates. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with LaMelo Ball. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, let's jump in and talk a little bit of LaMelo Ball. Um, Always (laughs) a gravitational pull one way or another when you're talking about a ball. Uh, LaMelo in the news recently actually goes in with his agent and purchases uh, his team in the is wait is this team in the Australian league or the New Zealand league? BG, do you know for sure? I think they're in the New Zealand league as well, right? Well, I or believe the the, the NBL. It's, yeah, the NBL has combines teams from both uh, both countries, and I guess one is also <laughs> a continent too. Um, but yeah, the NBL uh, is composed of New Zealand and Australian teams. Gotcha. Probably should have known that. So he went in with his agent and bought. I'm not going to try to pronounce uh, the name of of the team, but. He actually purchased that team. Uh, so another ball in the news for something that's groundbreaking and revolutionary. And God, if we all just had the brains that this family does. I mean, Big it's baller, baby. Big I mean, baller. It's unbelievable. Um, God, just just blazing the trail one day at a time. Um, so LaMelo Ball, 6'7", 190 pounds. He's the youngest of these three. Uh, he'll be, prob- when, when the draft actually happens, he'll probably be 19 years old. But he would be uh, 18 point eight years old if the draft happened on time to be honest with you when i watch him play he reminds me a lot of his brother lonzo i mean i I know that's convenient but he reminds me a lot of his brother as in pretty electric in transition um Mm. sometimes it feels like he's got eyes in the back of his head great vision setting up his teammates um you know he's a good pick and roll player has a little bit of zip to, to go by his you know initial defender and if he does that he's 
nine times, eight times out of ten, going to make the right pass. Um, but he has that, just like his brother, you know, he takes a lot of outside shots and makes very few of them. Uh, Lonzo certainly has gotten better in this realm. Uh, his brother... <laughs> But LaMelo is taking, let's see, per game right now, he's chucking almost seven threes per game at a 25% clip. So, you know, that kind of stuff always bothers me because there's just not a lot of self-awareness there, BG. Yeah, do you remember uh, in the early part of the 2018-2019 NBA season, uh, since Trey Young's rookie year, Lloyd Pierce's first season as the Atlanta head coach, and you can see why Atlanta went about it at this way because Trey Young was an all-star this season. He's, he's a very good offensive uh, guard at a, at a young age. But um, it just the shot selection of the the pull-up threes, the the essential. I mean, like the the green light to pull up from wherever, wherever you want. If uh, the pick and roll, if the defender goes under the screen, like shots probably going to go up majority of the time. And yeah, like he just has that. The and on top of that, it's he has this crazy green light with pull up shooting, and you can see why. Like that's where the league's going. And hell, the the ball family is like they've created this this player type with Lonzo and Lamelo of where to play fast and throw crazy transition passes and and chuck threes off the dribble. Like the, that's what they want to do, but. Uh, it's not like this guy has like great shooting numbers or good form. Like his mechanics are, are, are kind of a hot mess. Um, it, it'd be funny if you could get the, like uh, the truth serum response to the teammates in, in Australia, you know, guys like Aaron Brooks or Josh Boone that are, you know, grinding for another contract or, or, or David Anderson or whomever that are, you know, guys that have been playing professional basketball for 15, 20 years or whatever, just how, how they feel about letting a uh, 18 year old come in and, and, you know, brick 75% of his threes while taking damn near seven of them a game. LaMelo does do some stuff in transition. That's super duper exciting, right? Like uh, I, the other week I was singing the praises of, of Tyrese Halliburton as a transition passer um, and, and obviously I, I've been writing about this for two years now, but Trey Jones, a really good transition passer with these, these hit ahead passes. LaMelo has that too, but it's like, he dials the risk up even higher, you know, like, I mean, just these crazy one-handed exactly. pa outlet passes. Um, and, and when, when he completes them, they look, I mean, it looks, it looks awesome. Uh, I think similar to Hayes, you know, guys are really, really like playing with him in transition uh, at, at, if he can actually, if you know, if he can hit his middle outcome or better and, and be an impactful NBA player he's going to make it easy for some guys in transition to get catch and shoot threes, spot up threes, dunks, layups, like all the, all the money shots on the court. And he has some, he has some upside as a pick and roll passer. Like he's big, he's got good size. He can see over defenders. Um, and even then I still think his he's, his handle is good and he's good in a crowd uh, with the ability to, to make reads and, and, and keep a, keep a live dribble going and pass off of that. Yeah, he, he, I mean, his feel for the game when he gets going downhill or the pick and roll, I mean, it's good and it, it's above average. And he is going to, you know, some guys are going to play with him and be like, this is great. I'm getting open shots. I don't have to do a lot. I just got to keep my floor space and move while the ball moves. I wonder, and I, this is what you're getting at, BG. 
I just wonder a guy like him, how much does he actually help you win basketball games? Um, defensively, defensively right now, maybe not many of them. <laughs> right. Defensively, not many. He's going to need the ball. Like, what is he doing when he doesn't have the basketball? Probably not much. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's just one of these guys that needs so much usage. And But what is yeah. the return of that usage? Not, you know, not a crazy turnover rate. I think that's... You know, I think that is that's a good thing. I, he definitely sets up teammates, as we've talked about. He's a pretty good rebounder. Uh, actually, really good rebounder, I think, actually, for his position, if you consider him a point guard. 22% um, defensive rebound rate. It's pretty good this year. Pretty good. You, you wonder what that looks like in the NBA. Yeah, um, that's, right. Yeah. You know, it's not the Australian League. I'm sure he can go in there and mix it up a little bit more consistently in that league than he would the NBA. But I just... You know this guy's going to be high usage. You know he's going to take a, a bunch of bad shots. He's not going to give you much defensively. I, I just, I'm not confident this is a winning basketball player. In fact, I'm pretty confident he's not a winning basketball player, which is why I would want nothing to do with him if I was in the top three picks in the NBA draft. And inevitably in this draft with very little feedback and, and data uh, with everything that's going on right now, he's going to get picked in the top three. And my prediction would be that team's going to be disappointed. We'll see. Uh, again, the defensive defensively, he's a mess uh, right now. Off ball, uh, you know, he straight up will quit on some plays. Uh, lacks attention to de uh, to detail. Um, lacks discipline. Gambles for steals a lot. I mean, his, his steal numbers are, are decent. Two and a half percent steal rate this year. But yeah, he gambles, and at times, you know, he makes these. Well, you know, he makes these really nice reads, looking to sort of like poach poach steals um, in the backcourt or in transition, but you know, he can get burnt and put his teammates in a bad spot. So giveth and taketh with making lives easier for teammates and more complicated at, at, uh, at times too. not great sticking to his assignment, uh, ball screen defense, getting caught on screens. I mean, that happens to a lot of young guards too, but uh, you know, Lonzo was such a good defensive prospect uh, at least, you know, I don't, I don't know about Lonzo's time in high school, but you know, from UCLA on a good defender and, you know, LaMelo has, I think pretty quick hands. He's long, he's got a good frame. It's like, and he, in theory should be able to be a guy that could guard three positions, um, in the NBA, but that's not less like a light really comes on with him. And if that doesn't happen or only gets close to halfway happening, like the, then offensively, he's gotta be, he's gotta be special. And I think that gets one of my sort of like overarching questions with him is, is does LaMelo ball become a guy that you build a team around as you know, he's your a one primary creator. And if you draft him top three, that's what you're planning on. Right. Or is he uh, is he a luxury? Is he, a, is he a, is he a connector? Is he a transition specialist? Is he a, a change of pace guy? Or is he someone that you can, you have to, you, you have to partner up him up with someone else specific in the backcourt to, to only get the best parts out of him and, and sort of cut down on some of the excess. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to, he's, he's a, he's a very challenging value proposition as a prospect, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I just get a sense for relative to where, you know, the experts and most feel like he should be drafted. I, I just, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, anything else on LaMelo or shall we move on to what I think is good, both going to be our favorite out of these three? Um, just, I'll just read off a couple more stats with, uh, with 
with LaMelo uh, per 36 minutes in NBL play this season, 19 and a half points, nine rebounds, eight assists, 1.8 steals, three turnovers, four and a half free throw attempts. So, yeah, I mean, like, like, uh, like LeVar coached them up. I mean, these guys, these guys try to fill up the stat sheet, you know, they're going to chase steals, chase rebounds. They're going to look to push the pace and transition um, you know, there's some good and, and some bad from some, some very bad that can come from that as well too. And yeah, I don't know. I, I like what he offers as a passer. He's a natural slash and kick player, uh, a guy that can, can read the floor according to him. It's a very natural thing, uh, for him to be able to do, but the, the ability to throw pocket passes. I mean, he's a skilled pocket passer for guys on the roll or on the pops or, you know, looking for guys in the opposite shooter. And he's got pretty nice touch on the floater though. Like a lot of these other young guards too, is pretty reliant on the floater uh, as well too, as opposed to sort of just like busting his ass and getting to the rim too. So yeah, I don't know. Mel, uh, LaMelo ball is an, is an interesting prospect. I'm not totally out on him, but there's just a lot of risk because the floor is something that this guy could fall through. Um, and for a, a team like Charlotte, uh, that that's, that's dangerous in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. <clears throat> okay. Let's move to Killian Hayes. Here's a, a guard out of France, six, four, um, about 215 pounds. I mean, I think he might actually be 6'5", is what he's listed now, at now. 215 pounds, really good frame. Um, he is my favorite uh, of these three guys we're going to discuss. BG, um, kind of a late bloomer, late onto the mm-hmm. scenes here. He has been given a much larger role this past season overseas, mm-hmm. uh, and I think he's done a pretty good job overall of, of answering that. Uh, 27 minutes per game, about 13 points, uh, a little over six assists. Um, not a great rebounding guard, but has some good defensive potential on average to steal and a half uh, this year. You know, I, he's young. He's just barely older than LaMelo Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is left-handed, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, and he's very dependent on that left hand, but has a really good feel in the pick and roll. Averages average almost three and a half turnovers this year, so he's he's learning on the fly. I think, again, he was a late bloomer, but you can tell that – he has a change of pace. His footwork is pretty good. He understands where his teammates are on the floor. He understands spacing. He understands how defenses react. Um, it's very clearly a player who's just scratching the surface, in my opinion, of, of what he can become. But the left hand, as you said earlier, and we can t- we can start there since it's already been mentioned, very dependent there. If he's forced to his right, which a lot of teams tried to do in the French League, uh, he, he struggled against that, and he looks very, very um, indecisive when he has to go right, when he's forced in that direction. And that's actually where I would probably say, anecdotally, 70 or 75 to 80% of the turnovers probably come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so an area improvement for him. But pretty good shooter. Um, little yeah. bit of a push shot motion, but I like his footwork. Mm-hmm. He's he's a good he's good off the ball. He'll cut. He understands spacing when he's when he's not on the ball. So he's just kind of the total package to me in terms of what I would want out of an 18 and a half year old guard that I'm gonna draft, BG. Yeah, I I I really like Hayes as a prospect a lot. He might be the best prospect in this class. Uh you may not even need to qualify that with a with a might or a maybe. Um uh, someone more bold than I could say Killian Hayes is the best prospect in, in this draft. Primary creator with some serious off-ball skills, interesting two-way impact, 
good handle, good off the dribble craft, uh, really nice shooting indicators, 88% from the free throw line this year. Um, you know, I, I like to sort of break things down. People say three level score a lot. And I, I even say that as well too, but I, I kind of like the thought of a, of a four level score, especially with guards that are handling the ball a lot. You think the three game either off the catch and on the pull up, you've got the long two in the, in the ISO and pick and roll pull up game. There's the float game from that sort of like shorter two. you think of the way cleaning the glass sort of like divides up the offensive half court. And I like to think about yep. that. And then, and then the rim, uh, Hayes shot just under 60% at the rim this season. Um, he, we talked about this with Halliburton a little bit, but he has nice move, nice moves in the final third or final, you know, fourth of the court to separate. And then the thing that it reminds me of Halliburton is that ability for him at that last second to, or the last second and a half to be able to extend with his left arm and and finish around or over or just give him spell give himself six more inches or nine more inches of room to get up to get that ball up on the glass and, and Halberton, i think you know on a smaller volume is able to sort of do that and uses his length to his advantage uh when you know when he's attacking downhill and get to the rim too but an elite passer off the live dribble there's very real pick and roll upside ball screen usage uh, 25% usage across all competition this season, good half court engine, good transition player tr- guys will, you know, want to play with them, run with them, cut hard, run, hit their assignments 30. And here's another thing too: 38% assist rate across all competition this season. That's big you, time. you pair that up with his shot. Uh, the ability to score from a couple different levels and the fact that he's a pretty good defender too um, with some holes, but you know, not like a, you know, he's not Pat Beverly, but a, a guy that should be able to come in and, and, and guard at an NBA level with some versatility. Um, he's a really, really appealing prospect. I, I think he has pretty high upside defensively, actually. I mean, he's okay. already at 18 and a half uh, years old. You know, he's already got, 215 pound frame that's yeah he can only get stronger we don't know he's done growing yet but yeah i I, um i think he can guard three positions easily i think Mm -hmm. that you know on the other end offensively you know you talked about you know how how dangerous he could be off the dribble how good he is in the pick and roll especially when he's going left using that length that's very obvious but put him off the ball and he understands the game still he doesn't stop moving he doesn't stand And, and that's when whenever you're talking about a young league guard, if he can do that too, if he can yeah. still operate and stay engaged off the basketball, it's a really good sign of basketball IQ. Yeah, and no doubt. Can do that, you know. So again, I'm just going to drill it down to this small example, but imagine Killian Hayes. He could, in theory, be on the floor with Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, and so it doesn't have to be Devontae Graham or Terry Rozier, but just imagine two other really good guards. You know, he can be on the floor with them. Makes him so much more dynamic on both ends. So, yeah, I I really, really like this kid. And I think that he, he, I think you said it right, BG. I think he is the best prospect in this draft. I really do. He's, I, I feel very bullish on him as a prospect and like his fit in Charlotte is like a dream fit. I, I think cause, yeah. cause I think he pairs well with Graham and he can play off ball and, and, and then eventually take the role, take the reins as the, as the primary guy and um, for the long-term future of the franchise. And the fact that he could, you add this guy to the roster next season, he's going to make your backcourt defense better. Um, and I, I think he's a, I like, I think Hayes too is, 
he's getting better. He's young, but like he's his right hand's going to get stronger. Uh, his pick and roll defense is going to get better. Like he's adding skills and he's improving as a prospect too. Yeah, I think he's a dream fit in Charlotte with with Graham and I again. I, I think I think of him as a guy with both a high floor uh, and and a high ceiling, a guy that could be an, an all star guard um, and score lots of points. And you know, you build a top ten offense around this guy being a high usage, high assist rate uh, guy for your team. Uh, and on the other end of the court, too, uh, team defense doing with his assignments, his wingspan. Uh, mix can be really impactful at times. Three percent steal rate across all competitions this season, which is a pretty good number. I I think he can get taken off the dribble by faster, twitchier guys, um, and so maybe that's one of the little like restrictors I have on him as a defender. But like the, the other stuff that's more important, the his engagement, his team defense, his basketball IQ, like he checks all those boxes in my opinion. I, I think that's what what really matters too. Um, his stats from the Euro Cup this this year are, are nuts as well. Thirty nine percent shooting on threes, uh, over four three point attempts per game, forty five percent assist rate, which is just a monster number. Twenty five percent usage, fifty eight percent true shooting, three percent steal rate. He has a little step back twirl to his game too. Um, that's one of the things he can kind of get to when, if you do shade him right, you can sort of try to work that step back a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's the, all of that put add to the package of what I think is a really appealing offensive prospect. Agree with you. I think I was reading his weight wrong, so forgive me, but I, I think the point kind of stands here. You know, he's, he does have a good frame for, for his age and, and his height too. But, you know, I, I agree with you. What I like about that steal rate too, the most BG is he's, he gambles. He doesn't even gambles the wrong word, but he, he takes risk and uh, under control. He stays in that passing lane. He doesn't completely overrun it. He really mm-hmm. uses his wingspan, not his feet, to, to gamble for steals. You know, yeah. opposed to a guy like Melo who just completely takes himself out of the play yeah. when, he, when he doesn't get to steal, you know? So, yeah. so he, he's an under-control basketball player. You can tell he's a good kid if you watch some of the interviews out there online. And, and you can also tell he's going to be extremely coachable, I think. I mean, that that's at least my feel, and I think that makes him even more of an, uh, more of an attractive prospect. 18 and a half years old too. And I believe if you count up the two seasons of pro ball in France, the season of pro ball in, uh, in Germany with, uh, with Ulm, I believe over a hundred games of professional experience already underneath his belt for a guy that is very young. Uh, again, just, just small stuff that, that adds to a really, uh, enticing prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, you know, I, I think it's, I think the ceiling is very high for him. I mean, it's not like 10 time all-star high. I don't think Mm -hmm. for Killian, but, but I think it's, it's up there, but his floor, it's kind of, I think it's pretty clear to see that he's going to be a successful NBA basketball player. I mean, by the time he's 21, there's really no doubt in my mind, he'll be a starting point guard in the NBA. And so in a draft full of, we don't knows, I think he's a great, great value proposition. I do too. I do too. Like, uh, I think the, the the comp with D'Angelo Russell is is like a little trite. We always like to compare lefties to lefties, yeah, lefties and you know yeah. guys to white guys or whatever. Uh, these are the the when people want to comp, these are some of the the foundational elements that 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 
that uh, people will fall on. But, uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell with some defense, uh, with some real zest defensively, and, and it looks like Hayes has it in him to be a serious two-way impact player. Yeah, that's a really appealing guy to to to, to add to your roster, no doubt. Yeah, I agree. It, it is an easy comparison, but you can you can see shades of D'Angelo, especially in like his pull up game that he's that he's improved. Right. The floater oh, game. Yeah, yeah, the floater game exactly. You you can see where they come from, but uh, I like it. Add a little layer of defense in there. So we're gonna move to we got one question. Oh no no no! Before we get to that, so I think we've answered this, but BG, if you're a GM of these three, which one are you taking? Hayes, definitely. Yeah, I, I I like all three to to varying degrees, but Hayes is arguably the best prospect in in the draft, and has a chance to be the best player to come out of it as well, too. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's Hayes. I, I would, as, as much as it probably sounds like I have an extreme distaste for Lamelo Ball, I would still rank him second above Hampton. I just think that there's there's a universe in where Hampton and Ball. Uh, are in the league, you know, after their rookie contracts. I, I think that is a a possible, yeah, that, that's a possibility for them. I don't see that in any universe for Killian Hayes, so I would definitely draft him if I were picking between these three. All right, let's get uh, to a listener question. This comes from Fifth Factor, who's in our on our Slack channel. Uh, so if you're not on that, make sure that, uh, that that you do that. I need. I should have gotten instructions from Richie about how to plug that. Or how Richie, how you're on here? Why don't you just jump in real quick and tell us how do people get in on get in our Slack channel? Yeah, so if you go to our Buzzbeat Twitter handle and you send us your review on iTunes, uh, we'll send you a link, an invitation, and you can join our conversation on Slack. Perfect. Um, one, one of these days, we're going to make Richie jump in here and talk about draft prospects, even if he doesn't want to. So <laughs> listeners out there, if you're missing Richie, give him a hard time. Tell him he's, he's got to come in here and kick the can with us on draft yeah. prospects. Um, but no, I should have figured that out before we started recording. All right. So fifth factor on our Slack channel, ask us, um, wondering if anyone has additional thoughts on the decision between chasing upside and a better sure thing prospect and we've talked about this a little bit in the past i'm gonna throw this to you first bg we talked about it with nate duncan when he came on the pod and he thinks that charlotte is very clearly in a position to swing for the fences uh if you will i don't know if you and i stand in the the same place but i also think we think a little higher of what charlotte has in the pipeline right now in terms of prospects on the roster where do you stand on draft strategy yeah, I mean, like, I, we've talked about this before. Like, I'm always best player available. Now, within the context of that, uh, you know, there are – you can go in different ways. This sort of it, – it's not all black and white, but if you want to go the, the the safe pick, the the higher floor versus the 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 more uh, – the, the riskier pick that has – you think may have a greater upside. I just think with – for a lot of people, it's really easy to uh, – to critique drafting strategies after the fact, as if this is like a, an exact science and that, you know, the team's approach to draft is being like, like, like every outcome is a certainty based off whatever prospect you're going to go for, especially if you're critiquing that over a franchise with multiple uh, decision makers. Uh, I think that gets really, uh, that's like, that's like not a, a fair way to evaluate a franchise, even if, 
there it is deserving of of some sort of uh critique as well too but uh but no i think it's okay to go especially in this year's draft where the, you know there's no luca there's no zion um where there's a little more uh the, the the floor the ceiling isn't as high overall with this class it's not as good and i think if that's the case like it's all right to, to go out and just try to get you a, a guy that can be a starter be a rotation player um you can say that's risk averse you can say that's as opposed to swinging for the fences you're just trying to get on base maybe but there are a lot of smart ways to get on base in baseball right it's not like you're just trying to like you know bunt uh you you can walk you know there are there are smart ways for you to get on base and, and, and find ways to be to be productive if you want to draw the an analogy out a little bit so but just because that reality exists that doesn't mean you have to just chase bad money too um with with these with these cranks of the slot machine either too like it's still okay to go out and add value to your roster um by finding guys that maybe have less less upside but you you feel strongly about their ability to contribute to winning basketball yeah i, I agree with pretty much everything you said i i think that <clears throat> charlotte is in an okay position i well, let me back up i think that relative to what where we thought charlotte would be at this point in time once kimball walker left for you know basically nothing depending on how what you think about terry rosier and that's in that sign and trade situation relative to where we thought they'd be i would say that it's better than most people thought and i don't even know if that's debatable like who would have yeah. thought Devonte graham was going to have this year who would have thought that Jalen McDaniels was going to show Spurs. Who would have thought that PJ Washington was going to Cody be Cody Martin too? Cody Martin. I mean, yes. I mean, it it feels like uh, if we're going to stick with the with the bad baseball analogy, BG, that we keep using every episode, <laughs> yeah. is, is uh, you know, it feels like we've hit quite a few singles. So mm-hmm. at some point, you're going to have somebody in scoring position, and why don't you just keep the ball in play? I mean, why don't you yeah. just keep me moving the needle in the correct direction? Whether that means any of these players are going to start for Charlotte in a playoff series one day or contribute for the Hornets in a playoff series, well, it, I think it's okay for them to just become – real assets that can be used in other ways too. That's something that not enough people talk about with this team. Yeah. Um, w- developing young players means a few things. It means that they can be traded for better pieces mm-hmm. uh, or more pieces uh, down yeah. the road. It means that you're doing something right. There's equity within the industry that you're developing young pieces, which I think makes a difference in free agency at some point, but nobody tries to measure or look at those things that are almost impossible to measure. And I think Charlotte did a really nice job in year one of getting some of those things right. And, and let's also like understand that it, it, I don't think anyone listening to this podcast or people that, that really, you know, follow the Hornets and care about the Hornets, either they, they cover the roster, they're their fans, or there's some hybrid of the two or, or whatever, like, and not to put words in someone's mouth that's that's um, that, that's criticizing or critiquing the franchise, but it's like drafting PJ Washington is not the same thing as drafting Frank Kaminsky, right? Like those are two very different things. Um, so that's not apples to apples. Those are two very very different picks. Even if you look at PJ Washington and say like, well, he seems like a rotation player, but where's the upside? Whatever. It, that is still different than watching a guy like Frank Kaminsky get hot in March. And despite the fact that you don't think there's any like realistic way towards him becoming a, 
a, a defensive five that can stay on the court or a defensive four or whatever that can stay on the court. Uh, again, just totally different worlds comparing PJ to something like Frank Kaminsky. Again, just sort of cherry picking two examples from the fairly recent past for the Hornets in terms of drafting guys late in the lottery. Yeah, I think I think it's a great point, PG. And and the other point I want to make, there was a national uh, basketball podcast. I think it was last week that was done, and they were talking about the Hornets for a minute. I of course won't name which one that was, but I, I would just you know the Hornets have been placed into this box, and I, I'm the last person that would ever say I have supreme confidence in Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak. That's far from the truth. I don't. Okay, I'm probably somewhere down the middle at some point, and and that's been growth confidence growth in the right direction in my part so but if you don't watch the team then save some of your negative thoughts about uh, past years and in a past regime and 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 stop placing small market teams in boxes that stuff really annoys me and there there was a there was a prominent podcast last week with a good guest who i respect who very clearly doesn't watch the hornets and decided because they've sucked in the past years and because they haven't developed young talent in past years, because they've swung and missed on some draft picks in the past years, well, it must be the same now. Well, that's lazy, and that's not reporting. And, uh, you know, at some point, even frustrated small market fans are going to stick up for their small market teams when that is what is doled out to the to the national audience. It's also just like if you stop paying attention to this franchise after Kemba left – then you've missed some good stuff that they did. Period. You just you that they that they didn't yeah. they've not made any, they didn't make any hasty trades. That uh, some young guys have been better than expected this season. There's a culture. Part of that culture is a big part of that culture is player development. PJ Washington looked to be a really nice pick for for big chunks of the season. You've hit on a couple second round picks. This is the kind of stuff that when teams that have a tradition of of winning consistently in excellence you say oh these are the small things that, that that this franchise on the margins they 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 nail they knock this stuff out of the park every year and i get that, that the context is different for a franchise like charlotte that has really struggled over the last decade but that doesn't mean the stuff isn't isn't still smart like they've done some good again they've done the way we talked about it plenty last summer, what happened with Kemba, the exit, it was not handled very gracefully, nor was it very dynamic in terms of the what, last 18 months of his tenure in Charlotte. There were some very real missed opportunities. Um, but if you want to look back at the last couple of drafts, the way they've navigated the trade deadline, player development, the way the guys are clearly were bought in and buying into Borrego, they, they outperformed their point differential this season too. You know, I, I think that's stuff that if you're really locked in and paying attention to the, the, the team that, that you realize there's value in that um, as opposed to falling back on the crutch of what you could critique the franchise for over the last 10 plus seasons. I, I agree. And, and we can kind of phase out on this thought. I've, I've thought about this a little recently with this um, idea for the NBA is, hey, can we get all these teams in one area of Vegas or wherever it is, you know, and play this tournament uh, and complete some kind of season here? If you if there was an article written, BG, on like, hey, here, you know, almost like the NCAA tournament, like here are the 12 seeds you should be a little bit afraid of. Right. Like I think yeah. seriously, like I, I kind of picture Charlotte as whatever seed they'd be 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like being one of those teams that 
I would write about being like, you know, they've had some spots this season. Like, if you get them in a one-game situation, here's a young, feisty team that could jump up and bite you. Like, so, so maybe maybe we'll have an opportunity, or someone will, to talk about that in that realm. Mm-hmm. But I just have thought about that in the momentum that they've built this year in relation to this this tournament that we might see. So we can end on that, but. I think uh, I kind of agree with you. It's like it, it, you know, Devontae Graham is not without his warts as a player. I mean, he, he can't score at the rim. Uh, his mid-range game wasn't very good this season defensively. Bit of a lost puppy, but uh, his ability to to get hot from above the break and like function as a as a strong pick and roll decision maker in the half court or as a transition pass for that matter too. It's like in a small sample. Um, you know, one game, three game sample, three game series, whatever. It's like, yeah, it's a guy that can score 40 plus points and do it efficiently too. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that, that adds, I think a little bit of bite to the teeth for Charlotte in this hypothetical that we're uh, referring to here. No doubt. All right. Good stuff. That, that was a good ending there. Um, turn the clocks back and getting emotional about the Hornets that we missed so badly. Um, <laughs> what I would give to watch this team play just some middle of the road, you know, a seven point win over the Bulls in February or something like that. I would love to watch that right now. Seriously. I think I think uh, you could run my credit card for fifty dollars to watch them pay play like a G League team in the Green. Yeah. like if, to watch Green <laughs> scrimmage Charlotte right now. Yeah, I, yes. you almost charge me anything. Um, I would do. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Thanks for tuning in to another Buzzbeat. If you didn't get the opportunity to listen to our podcast from Monday, it was an awesome one. Richie uh, released one recapping the 2000 2001 season with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, so check that one out. It is definitely worth a listen. And Richie's way more creative than than I think me and BG are. So BG and I are just like, well, let's just talk draft prospects until we don't have any more to talk. And Richie's like, no, yeah. I got all these great ideas. Just hang with me. So more good stuff to come. We'll continue the, the content coming uh, even, even in the absence of basketball. So for BG, I'm Spencer. We'll see you next time.